and welcome to the May 19, 2022 public meeting of the Parks and Open Space Commission. This is going to be a hybrid meeting with people in the chambers and then also people coming in from online. Could we please uh, run the video about how people can participate offline? Instructions for participating in the meeting are available at MarinCountyParks.org under the About Us Boards and Commission tab. The Commission Chair will announce when it is time to take comments and will set the time limit. Comments will first be heard from those in the chambers, followed by those participating online. General comments on items not on the agenda can be shared during item number one on the agenda, Open Time for Public Expression. Comments specific to a particular agenda item must be expressed only while the Commission is considering that agenda item. If joining by computer, use the raise hand icon at the bottom of your screen to inform the moderator that you would like to speak. If you are joining by phone, press star 9 to indicate that you would like to comment. When it is your turn to speak, your name will be called. After your name is called, you should see a request on your device to unmute your device if you are participating by phone, you will hear, you are unmuted. Please unmute and provide your first and last name. Please speak slowly and clearly so that the captioners can follow your remarks. Reminder that there may be a slight delay when watching the live stream. If you anticipate wanting to speak during the meeting, please join in advance of the item you wish to speak on and indicate that you wish to speak before public comment period is closed on the item. Thank you. Now I'd like to call the meeting to order and we are going to go directly to public comment. This is a time where people who have uh, something they wish to address that's not currently on the agenda can address it now and you're limited to three minutes and just a reminder the commission members are not allowed to engage in a conversation with this item do we have anyone for public comment chairs Kremen, there's there are no speakers in the queue thank you okay we will move on to the director's report max there we go good afternoon commissioners Max Corton, Director of Marin County Parks. Um, I'm gonna keep this brief because we have some long items I wanna leave plenty of time for uh, that are important. So, um, you know, a, quick, a few quick updates. Our crews recently completed work on the Montmarin Trail. It's one of our road and trail improvement projects in the Terra Linda Sleepy Hollow Divide area um, that was recently completed. Uh, we have crews out doing vegetation management right now. We've got, there's goats and Conservation Corps North Bay crews and the TAM fire crew and others doing a lot of the annual sort of maintenance and defensible space work. Um, and then uh, we recently completed the uh, paving project at McNears Beach Park in the parking lot. And so that's all um, reopened and I encourage you to visit it and check it out. Um, and then uh, the Homestead Valley pool is currently under construction and, and will be for, for a little bit longer as they complete that important project to update the pool and provide for accessibility there. So 
Um, just a quick update on some ongoing projects. Thank you very much. Commissioners, any questions or comments? No, I was... Uh, Go ahead, please. Yeah, I was impressed with the uh, uh, vegetation management program in the Sleepy Hollow area. It looked like it was really well done, well organized. Thanks. Roger? Am I on? Uh, push it. There okay. you go. Yep. So um, th there's been some talk about some possible new acquisitions and I'm wondering if it's a time that you could tell us about them, or is or or is that something that's still in the in in the process? Yeah. So you know, um, of course, we're always sort of in the process of looking at potential acquisitions with community partners, and there's several. I know there were mentioned. There's an article in the IJ about thirty by thirty where it mentioned a couple longtime acquisitions that were you know, working with community partners on, including the Martha property out in Tiburon and Bald Hill uh, in the um, Ross Valley area. Uh, you know, we, we don't have anything formal at this time because, you know, a lot of times those, those acquisitions are a long, a lot, many years of work. And, you know, if something works out, then it's a, a negotiation that, um, you know, remains confidential until it can be brought in public session. So, I don't have anything more to share at this time about about those, um, but uh, but those are certainly you know m many decades long community areas of community interest that you know we we have been interested in and working on. Any other comments, questions? It's nice that there are at least discussion about the Martha property. I know it's been thirty years that I'm aware of that. So. <laughs> yes. Anyway, let's uh, ask if there's anyone online that wishes to have a comment based upon the director's report. Chairs Carmen, there are no speakers in the queue. Thank you. All right, we are going to move to item four, approval of the minutes for the meeting held March 17th, 2022. Move approval as submitted. Okay, are there any corrections? Second. All right, it's all in favor? Aye. Aye. It passes. All right, now we're on to item number five, the announcement of the application period for the ninth year of Measure A funded community grants and present the Youth Commission survey results. And I believe Kevin Wright is going to be presenting. Thank you, Chair. And if we could bring up the PowerPoint presentation as well. So I am very pleased. It's hard to believe that we're here announcing the ninth year of applications for Measure A community grants. We've been doing this for a long time now. And I was very pleased at the Together Bay Area um, Open Space Conference to sit with San Mateo County Parks and hear that they also are experiencing a dynamic that we've been seeing over the last nine years, which is that when we partner with community organizations and trusted partners in the community and bring people outside, that once that first positive experience takes place in the outdoors, the people keep coming back. And we've seen this year after year, time and time again in the community grant program that once people have a first positive experience, they keep going back to that park, they bring their families, they bring their friends. So we've had a lot of success with this program, bringing thousands of residents outdoors over the years. Um, this year, you know, the application process opens today. Uh, you can go online now at runcountyparks.org, and there's also a press release going out. It's an online application, but we've actually simplified it over the years. So 
it's really easy to basically propose your ideas for how you as an organization needs funding to connect people to the outdoors. And that's either bringing programs to them, bringing um, people you work with to the outdoors, to our parks and open spaces. Um, so we provide a lot of flexibility around that. And this year, as we're stepping into this work, as we've done in years past, we reached out to a lot of different community partners and asked, you know, where do you see the greatest needs being this year? And this year, we heard overwhelmingly that it was youth mental health. And that was sort of signaled when the American Academy of Pediatrics announced a youth mental health crisis um, across the entire nation. And we, of course, know what COVID's done to a lot of us as adults, and the same thing's happening in youth. Um, we also know through a Marin County Parks survey uh, completed several years back that youth aged 14 to 24 were the least represented of all age groups in our parks. And so we felt like this was the right time to really explore this further. Um, and so what I'm here to talk to you about today is a partnership with the Marin County Youth Commission, who I started out just presenting some information about parks, and we had a nice friendly Zoom meet and greet, um, told some jokes, told some stories about going outdoors. And um, that resulted actually in their recommendation to engage in a shared survey. And so what we did was over the last two months, develop a survey about parks, interests, and barriers focused on youth between ages 10 and 25, roughly. And then the Youth Commission actually took the lead and shared that survey organically. And so the survey results I'm about to share with you are intended to, one, inform community grantees' applications and help people think about how to better serve youth, but also we as a department are going to take these survey results and think more deeply about what they mean in terms of our services and the way we um, provide our lands for public use. So let's jump into it. We got 350 some, I think 56 survey responses, 16 in Spanish. And what I think is especially unique about this is we received a much more diverse survey response than you typically see in surveys um, regardless of population that are done in Marin County. So because this was shared organically through youth social media and through um, their friendship circles, we saw a really large percentage of um, Latinx youth responding to the survey. We had, of course, um, people identified as white, um, but also um, a large percent, uh, over 10%, people who identified as two or more races. Uh, we had, of course, in the upper left, uh, young people identifying as male or female, but also uh, responses from non-binary and transgender uh, youth in the community. Uh, the age groups, we got a lot of responses between roughly 14 and 18 years old, um, which is definitely our target. And then a few folks identified as having a disability. So I felt like that was a really good um, sort of diverse response we got back. The survey started out just asking some opening questions. We call these like warm-up questions to just get to know you a little bit better um, and kind of get into the process of taking the survey. And the first asked about you know, if you're looking for somewhere to go, where do you go to relax and have fun? And it was really a mix of indoor and outdoor spaces, um, many of them social spaces. So the top one was going to a friend's house. Um, shouldn't be surprising. You'll see that throughout this entire survey, friends are a really strong component, a really important component of the youth experience and um, sort of like the, the need for the environment they're going into. So supporting this social interaction with friends. Um, the beach came out. Um, near the top, 
uh, pools, as well as coffee shops and restaurants, uh, movie theaters, and then parks and open space were right up there with movie theaters. So um, where do you go when you go to, have, to relax or have fun? Who do you go with? Um, and we saw this as a trend throughout. So the number one group you go with are friends, followed by friends and family, as well as um, a lot of um, youth talked about going alone places. Partly because, as one of our focus groups described, sometimes we just really need to get out of the house and get away from our families and like go be by ourselves. Like we just want some alone time. And so um, that was a data point that actually surprised me was that there's actually a lot of interest in getting outdoors alone occasionally to just have some space, time to think. How often do you spend 30 minutes or more outdoors a week? So we saw a large population um, over 50% getting outdoors uh, for 30 minutes or more a week, five to seven days out of the week. So that's really positive. At the same time, um, there is you know, over 35% that are getting outdoors um, three or fewer days a week. So there's a really div big division between like a, a large group who's getting outdoors a lot and then a large group who isn't. This was really neat. Do you feel a positive difference when you go outdoors? 95% say yes. So I think almost across the board, even for young people who aren't getting outdoors, they recognize that there is a really positive difference when they do go outdoors. So the next block of survey questions talked about opportunities to go outdoors. What are your interests? Um, what's inspiring to you? Uh, so we start by asking, you know, select all the outdoor activities that sound inspiring. and at the very top were sort of passive activities, relax in nature, spend time with friends, uh, followed by things like hiking, photography, and bicycling. So when we think about our park design or what youth are looking for as far as an experience, what we've heard from um, Madeline Hope's West Marin uh, research of youth and what we're hearing in the survey is again, youth are really looking for opportunities to go outdoors and just hang out together not be hassled, hang out with friends, um, just have like a nice passive experience, like do activities they want to do, but not be too programmed. And, you know, for the most part, they aren't looking for like a specific facility. Um, when they learn about new activities or place to explore, where do they go? Um, this is just like our visitor survey. So uh, friends and family come out at the top. So these trusted relationships, again, continue to be really important with how to find out about new experiences and places to go. Um, for a lot of youth also when it comes to transportation, it's really, you know, friends and family who are helping them to get there as well, if they can motivate them to do that. Um, social media is obviously huge as well, and um, they didn't think it was that funny, but they asked if we had a, a TikTok channel for Marin County Parks, and I asked them what TikTok was, and no one laughed, but I know, bad joke. Uh, but anyway, I thought also what's not represented here and what's also interesting is that uh, only roughly 1% to 3% based on the data said that they actually go online to research new places to go. So it's really through social media and not going online to, say, visit websites and do research using websites is how they're learning about these new places. Um, if you decide to explore a new park, would you prefer to go alone with friends, et cetera? So again, you know, a huge portion said if they're going to go have a new experience, they're going with friends. Also, friends and family. Um, and also, you know, going alone in some cases. But again, the through line here is um, really a desire to be with friends, do things with friends. This 
uh, data point really surprised me. So would you be more likely to visit a park if there was an organized program led by an instructor or park ranger that interested you? And only half said yes. So historically, I'd always thought, you know, it's really about designing the right programs to motivate people to get outdoors. But again, one of the things that the survey challenges in my mind is, you know, is it really like the programs and the destination or is it about those trusted relationships and really helping people to understand that they can go out together and have a social experience? Um, you know, so again, more to explore here about what these motivating forces are. Uh, if you were gonna go and enjoy a program, what would that look like? This actually wasn't surprising to me based on our community grant um, experiences and work over the years. So the top ones here are art and photography. And we've had community grantees like Opening the World who've done photography, for instance, or art programs in the parks, and they've been incredibly popular. They've been really well attended um, by young people and families. So some limitations. We're almost toward the end here. What are some reasons you might not visit a park? This also is surprising to me. So it's general unfamiliarity and unsure of what to do there. Um, that is the greatest barrier. So we often talk about things like transportation costs, and those also came in high here, um, but actually it's a lack of familiarity, and I feel like one of the great values of community grants is that it's trusted partners and um, families and friends in the community that take others outside and show them what a park experience is like or show them a new park in the community that they weren't aware of before. And then again, we hear that they come back year after year, they bring their families, they bring others. So. It's really planting the seed with that first positive park experience through a trusted relationship that then causes a proliferation of relationships with that park or open space. What type of transportation do you primarily use to get around? Uh, family car, personal car was a big percentage of these. Some um, took public transit or rode their bikes, um, but that tends to be more challenging. And one of our uh, focus groups with Canal Alliance, <laughs> the young people basically said, it was incredibly hard to motivate their families and friends um, to go to places like West Marin to have a really different experience than go to a beach. And so um, they were like, you know, the, the goal here is for us to get a personal car so that we can have all the power and flexibility ourselves to go to places we want to go. So I just want to end by um, publicly thanking the Youth Commission for their partnership. They spent a lot of um, evenings and weekends working on this survey and having conversations about parks together. Uh, we did um, have actually Pat O'Brien and Dennis Scremen join us at Stafford Lake Park and the Youth Commission joined us and we had a great park experience including roasting marshmallows which you see here in the photo. So I really appreciate the Rangers for setting that up for us. And these survey results have already been shared with the Parks Equity Roundtable and are being shared with coalitions like the 9 to 25 Coalition. We're also sharing them with organizations like REI and the State Coastal Conservancy. Um, REI has been hearing similar results across the state and are really excited to use results like these to begin to think about youth outdoor access in their programs. And the State Coastal Conservancy is doing some strategic planning at this time and is excited to think about their strategic planning and how they invest in community parks uh, through the lens of serving youth. So that is the end of my presentation on that data. And again, the goal here is for these community grants, they're intended to connect anyone who experiences a barrier to parks to the outdoors and to positive park experiences. And we do that through partnerships with local community organizations. 
Um, this year, we're especially focusing on youth mental health because of the immense um, challenges and difficulties that youth are facing these days. And so uh, we'll be, again, sharing this with all potential applicants. It's posted um, on our website along with the application now. And we're really looking forward to helping to support the entire community of mental health practitioners to really uh, support youth in the way they need at this time. Thank you, Kevin. Let me bring it to the commission. Questions, comments? Go ahead, Jake. Go ahead, go ahead. I just uh, want to commend uh, uh, Kevin Wright for you know, shepherding this excellent program and the um, partnership with the Youth Commission is really, I think, really important. And the survey really sheds light on a, you know, a lot of opinions that uh, people have to uh, engage in the parks and to ensure that um, uh, you know, barriers that either exist in fact or at least are perceived you know can be uh, tackled and uh, so it's really a commission report and, a, and the youth commission you know, the people there themselves the kids are you know quite uh, enthusiastic about the whole project so uh, it's great to see thank you Bruce. Uh, good report I'll second what Pat said. Um, two questions. I assume that you share some of this with the county health department since this is about mental health. You share it with them, I assume. That's correct. Okay. And then uh, secondly, just as a matter of information, I've spoken with Supervisor Radoni a couple times about maybe renting buses to, you know, like go from the canal to the coast um, once a month on a weekend day. Um, so if there's if there's money that comes out of community grants, for example, that seems to me to be a good expense, and that might preclude the, you know, the family uh, dynamic about not wanting to spend time to go out to the coast. I just, you know, getting out to the coast is hard, um, and if we could rent some buses once a month, uh, you know, and advertise that, you know, free ride to the coast for the day, that, that to me would. And I think you'd find Supervisor Radoni is very interested in this. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you, Oscar. Yeah, Kevin. I was I was also surprised like you, like the fifty percent that like organized versus non-organized or let's say free free activities, right? Mm -hmm. I would I would question if that's part of the COVID situation that we live. Probably the answer was. Like that, like uh, keep keeping in mind the future that probably people like organized activities. But right now, the, the pandemic has probably the, the, this answer was probably a result of the pandemic. Probably that 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 would be my what, what I would like to do not here. But other than that, is a nice nice report. You did thank you. That's a really good. Yeah, thank you. Okay, Kevin. I had such a good time on that Saturday out with the Youth Commission. And it, it was just amazing, the group of young people that they brought together, and they helped us participate in, in the survey. Uh, I wanted to do a shout-out also for Samantha uh, Rodriguez, who is the director of the Marin County Youth Commission, and she was just cho chosen as San Rafael Citizen of the Year this last week. So that part's great. I'm really encouraged by this survey. I've been involved in this for nine years now, and this is probably the most diverse uh, survey results we've received and um, really reaching the youth this time. So that's all great. 
Thank you for putting this program together. With that, I want to open it up for public comment. Anyone within the chambers that wish to comment on this item? Seeing none, let's go to see if there's anyone online. Yes, we have a couple of speakers. The first speaker is Larry Minikis. Please unmute and you have the option to share video. It'll take a few seconds. Yeah, yes, um, good afternoon. Uh, Kevin, yes, that was a, a, a great presentation. And I'd like to add, this presents an opportunity for a letter to the paper. And I'd like to encourage uh, other members of the commission that have not written a letter, uh, you are in a perfect position to do so. Um, and a, perhaps if a letter from the Youth Commission could come in on why Measure A is so valuable and how it is affecting youth, it's just another wonderful angle. And with that, I'd just like to thank you. Thank you, Larry. Next speaker is Tom Boss. Please unmute and you have the option to share video. Uh, good afternoon, commissioners. Um, yeah, I just want to say this is uh, really a good work and important work. I'm glad uh, that Parks and the staff uh, have, have uh, focused on on getting uh, on, and engaging with our youth. And um, yeah, as, as I'm sure most of you are aware, you know, the average American spends 93% of their time indoors and, uh, and, and kids spend anywhere from four to nine hours a day in front of a screen. So um, whatever we can do to get um, kids outdoors is incredibly important. There's a lot of great books out right now on the many health um, and, and uh, cognitive benefits of, of getting outside on a regular basis, spending a minimum of a few hours every day. Um, you know, it's not, it, it's, uh, people are healthier, they're more productive. Um, it benefits social cognition, creative thinking. So anyway, just wanted to say, I thought this was, a really good presentation, good work, and uh, yeah, let's keep getting more kids outdoors. Thank you. The next speaker is Sybil Boutelier. Please unmute. Uh, thank you. Um, let's see, I guess I don't have a camera, um, but I hope you can hear me okay. Um, I just want to uh, commend uh, Kevin and Max and the and the Youth Commission, who are wonderful at uh, putting together this uh, helpful survey. And um, also, I just want to make a comment about the program, the Breathe with Spirit grant programs that um, we've been doing this year, um, which is bringing seniors out into the parks and. Um, here, um, I'm part of Age Friendly Salcedo, and we've been partnering with seniors from Marin City and going out together um, as uh, getting to know our neighbors and having this wonderful opportunity to commune together in nature. And um, this has been a, a really wonderful program for breaking isolation and um, bringing people together in a new way and uh, certainly benefiting them from the point of view of mental health. So I'm hoping that we might be able to continue in that way and perhaps we can do some partnerships with some youth in the community and uh, enrich everybody's experience in that way. But I also just wanted to make a comment 
about transportation because that's been a key part of our pre of the program we've been doing with these uh, grant funds of bringing um, the seniors out to the parks. And that is, we've been using the Vivalon van program um, to um, you know, rent a van to, um, for transportation. And of course, the um, cost of that has just gone up 50%. So um, I just wanted to bring that to your attention um, so that um, you're aware that, that the cost of transportation using that community uh, transportation service has gone up so significantly and um, is something to consider as we're looking at the grants going forward. And I just want to commend the Parks Department for this wonderful program. It's been so valuable, and I can see that it's going to continue to be valuable to the whole community going forward. Thank you very much. Thank you, sir. Chris Kremer, there are additional speakers in the queue. Okay, very good. Uh, Kevin, you announced that we're taking applications right now for the grants. When is the deadline? I believe the last day is June 24th. And just a reminder for everyone, this is a great time to talk to all of your colleagues on nonprofits. Let them know this is a great opportunity to get some extra funding. Thank you, Kevin. Excellent presentation. Okay. We are moving on to item number six on our agenda, presentation of the draft fiscal year 22-23 Open Space District Road and Trail Management Work Program. And I believe Max is going to start this. Thank you, uh, commissioners. Again, Max Corton, director of Marin County Parks. And um, just wanted to introduce John Campo, who's our uh, principal natural resource planner who manages our road and trail planning. And to thank John for his leadership and for the whole, you know, it's really a team effort to plan and implement our road and trail projects. And, you know, this is an annual um, report that we give each year on our potential projects for the future year and also the projects we've completed uh, in the past, in the past year. Um, but this year's report will be a, a little bit longer um, because we're also um, have uh, some additional information that, that is part of a recent court ruling. Um, so just wanted to, uh, to give you a heads up and please bear with us. So with that, I'll hand it over to John. Thanks, Max. Welcome, John. Good afternoon, commissioners. Thanks for the opportunity to present today. Um, so I'm going to just jump right in. Um, we, so this has been a, a great year for us. We've recently completed some new trail projects. And so at Rush Creek in this red circle, um, this was pre-project. And here's the plan. Oh, there we go. Yep. Okay, so there's um, at Rush Creek. Uh, this is the east end of Rush Creek Preserve in Novato. And we recently completed a project to add uh, four new trails. Um, so there was uh, a limited access for equestrians at this preserve, and so we created a trail specifically to provide access for them and also have two multi-use trails, Lucky Aces Trail, uh, Blue Oak Trail, and then a hiking-only trail. And so this is a photo of the Blue Oaks Trail. It's been, we completed it about two months ago, and we've gotten great reviews. People seem to really enjoy it. Also completed this year in Terralinda Preserve, um, just across the way here, we had um, identified two gaps in our trail system in these red circles. And so this one right here, um, we completed in 2019. So we 
completed that trail, closed that gap. And then just two weeks ago, we completed this one. This is the, Mont the new Montmorin Trail. Uh, it's right off Las Galinas. And if you live right there, it's an invaluable connection up to the ridge. I know some of the neighbors there that have been using it every day, and they love it. So it's been really nice. And here's a photo of that trail. Um, it was a big year for us for the road and trail designation. This year we completed Region 6, so that's Tiburon Peninsula. Uh, that includes Ring Mountain and Old St. Hillary. And not only that, but going back to 2015 when we started all these regional trail meetings, we have completed them all. So it was a huge milestone this year to finish that process. So we're very excited to, to move forward. Uh, we've also been, like the last few years, adding a lot of infrastructure improvements, new wayfinding signs, entrance signs, dog way stations. We piloted our first um, bike rack in our preserve. This is at Ring Mountain, uh, the Phyllis Elman Trail. So this is a, a hiking only trail. But that doesn't mean we don't want folks to ride their bikes to the preserve, get off their bike, and then hike the trail. So if this, I think this is going to be popular, and we're thinking about rolling them out elsewhere. Uh, we've also been replacing our aging infrastructure with new trail bridges. This one's at Deer Island. And uh, as we have for the last several years, working with the fire department and uh, prioritizing roads for emergency access and continually making improvements to those. Um, so looking forward for the rest of the year, we have a couple uh, projects we hope to get to. This is out in um, um, uh, Baltimore Canyon, and this is the West Baltimore Trail. It's a little spur trail off of the Piedmont Trail. It'll just provide a little better access for the neighborhood there. And then uh, we hope to review a couple of environmental review documents uh, for public comment. Um, so this is the Memorial Trail, it's the top photo. Um, that's just across the street behind the Carolinda High School. And then the Roy's Redwoods um, restoration project. We hope to have those, uh, the CEQA documents available for public comment later this summer. Okay, then as Max um, indicated, so I'm gonna spend the rest of the presentation talking about Bob Midah and Horse Hill. And um, there's a bit to discuss, so let me just bear with me. Um, okay, so as Max said, it's stipulated in the recent court order regarding Bob Midah Horse Hills trails. The remainder of this presentation will describe the status and recommended next steps regarding the Bob Midah and Horse Hill trail realignment project. This map illustrates the trail alignment for those trails prior to 2017. And then in this map, uh, this indicates the trails post-trail improvement project 2017-18. And these are the trail alignments in the current form today. And so those projects included, this is the Bob Midaw Trail. And so those uh, trail improvements included Stream trail interface, reducing sediment from entering the watershed. Improvements to sight lines and reduced steep grades, improving safety and the visitor experience for all trail users. Uh, this provided an alternative route to the dangerous Camino Alto for all users by designating the trail for multi-use to include bicycles. And overall, the physical improvements created a more sustainable, safer, and less impactful trail on the land. And then the Horse Hill Trail improvements were right around the same time, 2017-18. Those improvements included reduced grades from 26% to 
improving safety and visitor experience for all users, uh, decommissioned and restored the erosive gas line trail, reducing sediment from entering the watershed, and again, overall improvements created a more sustainable, safer, less impactful trail in the land. And so leading up to those improvements, we engaged in over two years of community dialogue around the pros, proposed projects in the Alto Bowl Preserve. These projects were one of the first high-profile RTMP projects to be completed. It was the first change in use of an established system trail. And the initial idea for the Bob Meadow improvements and change of use came from the Marin County Bicycle Coalition uh, via the RTMP's formal public proposal process. We took this proposal as a foundation and then advanced it through stakeholder conversations and engagement with outside design professionals. This further developed um, the project to meet the goals of the RTMP. Now, proposals were evaluated on biophysical characteristics, but there are many other considerations to determine whether or not a proposal will ever be developed and implemented into a project. Those considerations include cost, feasibility, and the degree to which proposed ideas advance progress towards RTMP other stated goals and objectives. The public proposal process is an important part of the RTMP. It provides a structured portal for the public to engage in the trail planning process with the explicit requirement that they commit to grappling with balancing the multiple bottom lines of the RTMP's several goals and objectives. At the same time, it is important to remember that a public proposal is only one way a trail idea is prioritized and developed. In fact, most trail projects initiate as concepts sourced within the RTMP planning staff and further developed with input from countywide and neighborhood stakeholders to best meet the goals of the RTMP. We've received several other public proposals for the Alto Bowl Preserve in 2015-16, and initially most of those submittals were not included on the list of scored and ranked proposals that was uploaded to our website. The reasons for these omissions varied according to the proposal. In some cases, it was because we believed those proposals to be too vaguely written to know what was being proposed or to know enough about what was being proposed to score it. In other cases, the proposals described actions that were not referenced in the RTMP's description of project components. Finally, in some cases, the proposal was scorable, but the resulting score did not, did not project a net improvement to the biophysical baseline as required by the RTMP public proposal process. We ultimately did review these additional proposals and applied scores to some of them in compliance with a court ruling, and I'll talk about more, more about that in a minute. And then in 2016, we further explored the ideas generated from the Alto Bowl public proposals by hiring a professional trail consultant, trail people, to investigate and develop feasibility assessments on the Bob Minot Trail and the Gasline Trail. These assessments explored a multitude of design alternatives, such as grade reductions, switchbacks, and installing horse-compatible trail steps. These assessments also included a consideration of the feasibility and advisability of changing the user designations on both these trails. While the preferred design alternative for both trails could physically have supported multi-use, the assessment suggested that a change in use from hiker horse to multi-use on the Bob Middaw Trail would, be, would meaningfully advance the goals and objectives in the RTMP, including increasing the connectivity and opportunities for safe and enjoyable trail recreation for all user groups. At the same time, these assessments suggested that a change in use to allow cyclists on the Horse Hill Trail would not be merited 
in part because there, were, because there was no legal bike connections to or from the upper segment of the Horse Hill Trail. We presented those trail assessments at the Mill Valley Public Meeting in August 2016. I guess that'll come back on. Which offered explanations for why staff recommended certain actions, such as construct a new low gradient Horse Hill Trail instead of building horse compatible trail steps on the Gasline Trail due to the lack of accessibility for all users and the extreme cost to build and maintain. Marin County Parks maintained a formal 30-day comment period following this meeting, during which time staff intensively interacted with stakeholders on all sides of the issue, via email, in person, in small group discussions, and in the field. While there was intent, or, I'm sorry, while there was interest in physical improvements of the project that was being designed, the main interest was and continues to be the user designation of the reconstructed trails. At the end of the 30-day comment period, Marin County Parks communicated that it would move forward with the design and seek a review of the proposed project that would rehabilitate and reconstruct portions of the Bob Meadow Trail. It would rehabilitate and fully relocate the Horse Hill Trail connection. Under the Marin County Parks proposal, the rehabilitated Bob Meadow Trail would be managed as multi-use and the realigned Horse Hill Trail would remain closed to bike use. So following the secret review of the project and during implementation, Marin County Parks was sued for allegedly secret violations and for procedural issues related to its handling of the submitted but unranked proposals. Initial arguments by the plaintiff made clear that the, the main project feature in dispute was the intended change of use of the Bob, Bob Meadow Trip trail to allow cyclists. The Superior Court judge declined an injunction, an issue, to an issue an injunction halting construction. Therefore, the physical trail improvements were completed as planned as the case worked its way through the courts. Ultimately, the First District Court of Appeals confirmed that Marin County Parks had complied with CEQA but upheld the lower court's ruling that Marin County Parks had mishandled at least some of the previously unranked proposals. The appeals court ruling resulted in a revised order from the lower court that required Marin County Park staff to go back and reevaluate previously unranked proposals. Marin County Parks did so, publishing an updated list of ranked proposals in February of 2021. At this point, having complied within the current lower court order, Marin County Parks opened the Bob Minow Trail to bikes with signage erected in June of 2021. Early this spring, during a hearing more directly relevant to the settlement of attorney's fees, the appeals court clarified its earlier ruling in relation to the proposal scoring issue in a way that required the lower court to issue a new order. This time, Marin County Parks was required to set aside the change in use and close the trail to cyclists. Additionally, Marin County Parks was instructed to reconsider its decision to implement the Bob Meadow Trail and Horse Hill Trail rehabilitation and realignment projects, specifically in light of expanded list of ranked proposals that were republished to our website following the Court of Appeals original decision and immediately preceding the opening trail to cyclists. We now have re-reevaluated the full list of proposals, including those proposals that were originally unranked. That list is posted on our website where it has been available to the public since February of 2021. So we're here today to present an update on our recommendations for the Alta Bowl trail improvements based on 
the new comprehensive list. Um, so this is the list of the seven previously unranked trail proposals. And all of these proposals were reevaluated and scored, and the qualifying proposals were added to the Region 1 public proposal list and posted on our website. Of those seven proposals, uh, numbers 1, 3, 5, and 6 received negative scores. Those are the highlighted ones in red. And so they were... And uh, they projected a net reduction in biophysical impacts, making them eligible for ranking on the published list of pro public proposals, according to the process as described in the RTMP. So therefore, I'm going to focus on those four in red. Okay, and so as the scoring of these proposals, um, as we go through this, I would reiterate that all public proposals and all proposed projects uh, are viewed through the three goals of the RTMP. Establish and maintain a sustainable system of roads and trails, reduce the environmental impact of roads and trail and sensitive resources, and improve the visitor experience and visitor safety for all users, including hikers, mountain bikers, and equestrians. Um, so this is a sample of what the scoring criteria looks like in the RTMP. And, um, you know, it, it focuses on things like rare plants, noxious weeds, serpentine soils, um, vegetation community, wildlife stream interfaces, and that's how the proposals are scored. And this is a sample of a proposal, a mock proposal in the RTMP. This is the Don Falls Trail. And so you can see the numbers at the bottom. Um, Pre-project or before treatment is 45, and after treatment is 25, so that indicates a, a reduction in environmental impacts. Okay, so the first proposal we looked at was submitted by Meadowcrest HOA. And the summary of the proposed actions for the Meadowcrest HOA, um, I should note that we scored all these proposals based on the pre-2017 trail improvements and post-2018 trail improvements. Uh, so this, uh, with this proposal, it describes actions to be taken with respect to the previous incarnation of the Horse Hill Trail which was a steep, highly erosive trail that followed the alignment of a buried PG&E gas line. And so the, the summary of actions for this proposal are uh, install all-weather surfacing on the Horse Hill Trail, the pipeline easement, um, the Altable Fire Road, and the Bob Meadow Trail, improve the Horse Hill Trail and PG&E pipeline easement to a width of three to four feet, and install horse-friendly steps on the PG&E easement. And so the evaluation of that proposal, um, I'll just read this out. The proposed actions to improve tread condition does not affect the biological resources. Tread conditions were previously rated as fair, poor. Those conditions have since been improved as a result of the 2017-18 trail improvements. And current conditions of the tread are rated as good and not, cannot be practically improved. So the proposed action to improve the pipeline easement to a stabilized three to four width and install equestrian friendly steps over the existing PGE pipeline easement would be comparatively expensive to build and maintain. Additionally, it is likely that the steps would impede on the maintenance of the PGE pipeline, requiring the steps to ultimately be removed at some point in the future. The installation of these steps would create additional barriers for people and horses with physical challenges. 
and be less desirable trail than a low gradient earthen trail without barriers. These trail ideas were investigated thoroughly in the 2016 Gas Line Trail Study Report. So the proposed actions of this proposal were evaluated through a lens of previous and current trail conditions. And Marin County Parks has already resolved the noted poor tread condition. The other actions proposed are consistent with the goals of the RTMP to the degree that stairs would present an unnecessary barrier to the access for the mobility impaired and would actually reduce the safety and comfort of pedestrian and equestrian users. Okay, so the next one is the uh, proposal submitted by Altable Home Association. It's a wet weather closure. And so the summary of these proposed actions are to implement a voluntary temporary closure for equestrian use during wet weather for the, of the Bob Mid on Horse Hill Trail. Uh, facilitate management by the Altable Home Association of an educational program supporting uh, voluntary wet weather trail closure for all users by employing barricade signage and monitoring and no regulations or enforcements would be involved. And so I should note with this one that um, scoring a voluntary action is not reliable as we cannot accurately forecast the impacts of voluntary closure, which is why this proposal was originally not ranked and as it's technically not compliant as an RTMP proposal. Um, with that said, we, we did evaluate it. And so the proposed action, the evaluation of those proposed action, I'll read it out again. The proposed actions to improve tread condition do not affect the biological resources. Proposed actions of the voluntary temporary closure to equestrian use during wet weather would reduce erosion and trail impacts. However, the proposal states this is voluntary action without regulation. That this makes it impossible to project measurable and dependable improvements to the biophysical baseline. The proposed actions of this proposal were evaluated through a lens of previous and current trail conditions. And as, again, Marin County Parks has already resolved the noted poor tread condition. And moving forward, Marin County Parks will reach out to Altable Home Association to begin a dialogue and partnership to develop an equestrian wet weather voluntary closure plan, which would add additional benefit to the tread condition. Okay, and the third proposal was submitted by the Mill Valley Meadows HOA. And the summary of these uh, of this proposed actions for this proposal are to widen the gas line trail, add switchbacks and steps, harden the trail surface. And I should note that this proposal was evaluated with the current existing conditions. It scored a positive integer of 1.3, which means it projected an additional environmental impacts to the land. Therefore, this proposal um, is not published on the website. And so the evaluation of this proposed action, the proposed actions to improve tread condition does not affect the biological resources. Tread conditions were previously rated as poor fare. These conditions have since been improved as a result of the 2017-18 trail improvements. Current conditions of the tread are rated as good and cannot practically be improved. Um, and then this is similar to the previous one. It's the same, kind of the same evaluation. The proposed action to improve PG&E pipeline easement, the gas line trail to widen the trail and install the steps and switchbacks over the existing PG&E pipeline easement would be 
comparatively expensive to build and maintain. Additionally, it is likely those steps would impede on the maintenance of PG&E, requiring the steps to be removed at some future interval. And the installation of steps would create additional barriers for people, horses with physical challenges, and be less desirable trail than a low gradient earthen trail without barriers. These trail ideas were investigated in the gas line study report. So the proposed actions of this proposal were evaluated again through previous and current trail conditions and Marin County Parks has already resolved the noted poor tread conditions. The other actions proposed are inconsistent with the goals of the RTMP to the degree that stairs would present an unnecessary barrier to access for mobility impaired and would actually reduce the safety and comfort of pedestrian and equestrian users. Okay, last one. This one was uh, proposed by the um, Marla Orth in collaboration with ABHA. Okay, and so the summary for this uh, proposed actions are to um, lists out different trails and roads. So horse hill trail maintain and improve through leveling the cross slope of the trail and removing non-native species. Gas line trail coordinate with PG&E, no new trail required. Sausalito fire road connector maintain and improve through leveling trail, remove non-native species. Bob Meadow trail maintain and improve through leveling, remove non-native species and dead dying trees. Okay, so the proposed actions for this to improve tread condition through leveling does not affect the biological resources. It would only modestly have improved the safety and accessibility of the trail since the overall grade would have remained very steep. Trail tread conditions were previously rated as fair to poor, and those conditions have since been improved as a result of the 2017-18 trail improvements. Current conditions of tread are rated as good and cannot practically be improved. Um, so the proposed action to manage invasive and dead dying vegetation is outside the scope of this RTMP proposal process. With that said, Marin County Parks does manage invasive and dead and dying vegetation in this area under the guidance of the Vegetation and Biodiversity Management Plan. The proposed action of this proposal were evaluated through a previous and current uh, lens of previous and current conditions and Marin County Parks has already resolved the tread conditions from a previous improvement project. Okay, so uh, this is what we've completed so far. We've evaluated and scored all public proposals. Uh, and the qualifying public proposals have been posted on our website. The physical improvements have been already completed as reviewed in the CEQA document describing the project. And the recommended next steps. So we will coordinate with um, Altabol Horse Owners Association to consider a voluntary wet weather equestrian closure as proposed by ABHA to reduce erosion and improve tread condition. And um, the trail improvements already completed have reduced steep grades, improved sight lines, creating a safer trail experience for all visitors designating the, the Bob Meadow Trail as multi-use to include bicycles would, in, would also provide an alternative route to the dangerous Camino Alto for cyclists. Marin County Parks recommends completing the Bob Meadow Trail improvement project by designating the Bob Meadow Trail as multi-use to include hike, horse, and bike as part of the 2022 Road and Trail Draft Work Program. Overall, the physical improvements have created a more sustainable safer and less impactful trail on the land consistent with the goals of the RTMP. 
That's it. Thank you, John. Very labor intense, Thank but you. important to get that clar clarification on the record. Let me bring it back to the commissioners. Yeah. Any comments, questions? Uh, thank you for your presentation. I have a really quick question. Uh, at the beginning of your uh, presentation, you talked about some trail improvements, recent trail improvements, and one of them was in the Baltimore Canyon area, the Piedmont, Piedmont and something else, I think Baltimore Canyon. To, you, to your recollection, were those improvements done on county land or city land or both uh, that one hasn't that hasn't been done yet what's the plan yeah so the the plan is through an easement um off of west baltimore in, in uh, on county land or city land i'm asking for a specific reason uh, yeah i actually don't know the answer to that question well let me yeah. not to mess around so my what i'm what i'm getting at is if it's if it's a joint project, if some of it's on city land and then it goes up into the canyon and county land, then I assume that the city will somehow be involved. The city parks, somehow the city will be involved. So, uh, and in any case, you're going to want to tell them anyway because you're going through their land. And the, the only reason I bring it up, and Max will remember this, is that when we were speaking about a couple meetings ago about Measure A, and I had said at the time, Maybe we ought to think about increasing the percentage that goes to cities and towns. Remember when I said that? That this would this is a reason, this is one of the reasons that I would say that is because we're doing improvements possibly on city land using county money, monies. So that's the re that's the reason I bring this up. And that was the reason behind my question. Is this in the county land or is it on city land? And you may not have an answer, but that was right. the reason I bring it up. Right. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure, Bruce, that it's either in, on open space district land or on an open space district owned easement on other land. So, and we can find out and follow up. But, but either way, you're right that for us connecting with the local cities and towns wherever we're doing projects is part of our best practices and and something that you know we typically do. And and if it, it's good to point it out on this one because sometimes. On smaller projects, that's something that we can overlook. So I appreciate it. Thank you. Other comments, questions? Seeing none from the commission, let me open it up to the chamber. Anyone in the chamber would like to have public comment on this? Seeing none, let's see if there's anything online. Yes, we have Richard Peterson. Please unmute, and you have the option to share video. Thank you. It'll take a few seconds. Hello. Um, thank you for the opportunity to uh, address you, and I want to uh, thank the Parks and Open Space staff for all their hard work. Um, I'm a Mill Valley resident, Richard Peterson. Uh, I live nearby the Bob Meadow Trail. I'm also on the board of the MCBC, uh, the organization that uh, initially sponsored this trail project. Um, I just want to say that as a user of this trail, both for hiking and for biking, uh, it does improve safety, and it's obviously, you know, uh, improve the environment, environmental impact of, of that area. I, I, I think it's abundantly clear to any reasonable person that um, Mr. Campo and his staff have gone through uh, a lot of effort to very fairly score all the proposals. And I know I speak on behalf of a lot of, you know, my local residents and the people who use this trail 
that we would like to see it opened again, especially as a multi-use trail uh, as soon as possible. And more specifically, my point here in, in addressing the group is uh, the CBP suit is uh, that they closed the trail and caused all this is clearly a nuisance suit that um, you know, I think most residents don't appreciate. And uh, we would just ask that you know, in future trail uh, or changing use designations, if it's at all possible to employ tactics or do anything that would forestall this uh, happening again, uh, you know, I think the majority of residents would really appreciate that uh, because everyone here, I think, wants to share the trails and, uh, you know, multi-use trails are one of the best ways to do that. And, you know, it's a, it's a shame to see a good trail project blocked for a bad reason. Uh, so thank you. Thank you. The next speaker is Matthew Maroto. Please unmute and you have the option to share video. Um, hello, I'm, I'm Matthew and I'm a local high school student who also mountain bikes. I mainly ride um, on that trip. I mainly experience that trail through riding and in the times I've been able to do it, it's always provided a great alternative to Camino Alto, which is why I feel this trail has a particular importance. Um, you know, there's so few trails that provide an alternative to many of the county's roads and to see that this one's able to give people an alternative to such a dangerous route provides, you know, not just, um, you know, better access to recreationists like myself, but also to people who commute because that's what a lot of cyclists do over Camino Alto. And with this in mind, I think that you know, in especially the consideration that was put into all these other proposals, it's my hope that this trail can be reopened to bikes as soon as possible. Thank you. Thank you, Matthew. The next speaker is Nathan Cohen. Please unmute and you have the option to share video. Hello, my name is Nathan Cohen. Um, I wanted to reiterate um, similar thoughts as the last two speakers. Um, it's a great little connector trail. Honestly, this is a small neighborhood trail. It really shouldn't be a big deal. Um, it's a shame that, um, as the other speaker said, there's such a nuisance going on with it because the project is clearly um, the parks, uh, county parks has done a terrific job uh, dotting all the I's and crossing all the T's. Um, I also use the trail as an alternative for commuting. Sometimes I'll come up the fire road, cross over on the trail, and then go down communal hill on the other side. Um, I've always had great interactions with people, usually, you know, friendly, friendly neighbors in the area. Um, and uh, it, it, yeah, the construction is is very nice, and you know, this isn't. A, a real issue in terms of any kind of environmental impact. Um, I'm sure the erosion is minimal and um, other aspects of the trail like sight lines and stuff are uh, perfectly safe. Um, so yeah, I, I strongly support opening it to cyclists and uh, really bringing the joy of riding a bike to those who uh, may not uh, have experienced that before. Thank you. Thank you, Nathan. The next speaker is Linda Novi. Please unmute and you have the option to share video. 
Hi, and thank you so much. Um, I am I'm happy that this can come to some resolution, but I do want to add um, just some caution and, and ask a question in Marin County Parks. Um, I heard um, the speaker, Matthew Maroto, and then the recent speaker, Nathan Cohen, talk about commuting on, on this trail. And I remember when I was on the Parks and Open Space Commission, there was a concern with commuting on uh, public lands. Commuting on a bike can sometimes run counter to um, safety considerations, riding slow, passive use. Uh, you're commuting to get somewhere after all. Um, and I've also noticed through my own experience on the trails, a tremendous amount of e-bikes on Marin County Parks lands when they're not allowed. And so e-bikes, commuting, um, this leads me to ask Marin County Parks, how much enforcement are you going to bring to this trail to get things started out on the right foot? Because um, we do want safety for all visitors and the goal is visitor enjoyment. And so we don't want to displace other visitors because we have someone riding fast or commuting fast or on an e-bike um, displacing horse riders and hikers. I'm not saying all commuters ride fast. I'm simply saying there's a tendency on a bike to go faster than people walking or riding a horse. So I'd like to hear from Marin County Parks on that. Thank you. Thank you, Linda. The next speaker is Tom Boss. Please unmute and you have the option to share video. Uh, good afternoon. I just had a few comments on the um, on this on the on what we heard about the Bob Mida Trail. Um, I, I'm with the Marin County Bicycle Coalition. We've received a number of inquiries, uh, mostly from people that live near the trail in the Scott Valley and in, in the flatlands there in Mill Valley. Uh, lots of disappointment. The trail was open for close to a year. Uh, as far as we're aware, there was really no uh, issues or concerns. Um, it's a pretty wide, flat, short trail. Its main use is just connectivity from those neighborhoods up to the Blythdale Ridge, Camino Alto. Um, and we heard some uh, stories, you know, we, a few families um, didn't uh, travel by bike out of their neighborhoods to the open space because it would require going up Camino Alto. And now they, they started to. Um, and uh, take their family. They feel it's much safer. And so anyway, there's a lot of, um, a lot of support for hopefully uh, reversing the, the, the action and, and, the, and for this trail to once again be full multi-use and I encourage uh, that to happen as quickly as possible. Thank you. Thank you, Tom. Chair Scrimmon, there are no additional speakers in the queue. I'm sorry, we do have one more. Okay. Andrew Levine, please unmute and you have the option to share video. more seconds. Sorry, a lot of buttons to click there. Um, my name is Andrew Levine. I live in Mill Valley. Uh, and the Bob Meadow Trail starts in my driveway. And I see folks using it all the time. Um, it's very important for me to be able to access my house and the area safely. Uh, so I was a frequent user of it during that period it was open. Um, I, I 
had only pleasant interactions with all of the other trail users that I saw and never saw anyone riding unsafely or uh, saw any damage or anything caused by use of that trail. So just want to let you know that the folks who actually live on the trail uh, support it and uh, use it just to get around our neighborhood. I never saw in that whole year seen dozens of groups of folks. Uh, I never saw even two cyclists at the same time. It was always a single person clearly using it to get to uh, other access. So uh, I hope it, it's, it can be restored to being multi-use and appreciate your attention to this matter. Thank you. Thank you. Just coming, we have Mr. Peterson, but he spoke first. Uh, would you like to allow him to speak one more time? Uh, if not, then uh, there are no additional speakers. Yes, if, if he can keep it brief, we'll let him speak a second time. Mr. Peterson, please unmute. Yeah, sure, thank you. I, I appreciate the chance to, to speak again, and I will keep it brief. Um, I just want to address the previous comment about um, commuting. I think that, you know, in, in Marin, anything that puts more people on bikes and keeps more people out of cars is obviously a good thing. And I, I, I just, I, I'm reacting to the assumption that because people are on a bike or doing something specific on a bike, that they're going to be acting unsafe. I think that's a, a constant issue with people who want to block bike access. And it's really a shame because it's an argument made in bad faith. And thank you. Thank you, Richard. Chair Scarman, there are no additional speakers in the queue. Excellent. All right. I'll come back to the commissioner. Does anyone want John to read this again? Hearing none, I'm going to close this item. Maybe, Dennis. Thank, thank you, John. Maybe if I could just quickly respond to some of the comments. I, I'll just, I, I just, um, just wanted to, to appreciate that in response to the comment from Linda Novi asking about enforcement, um, e-bikes displacement that the trail was open to bikes for almost a year um, I've been really appreciative of the trail partners and the slow and say hello campaign uh, that's a partnership between Marin Conservation League the Horse Council and MCBC and um, and have really been um, was impressed during that time with the way that folks were able to get along on the trail and share the trail out there but of course our team uh, is especially engaged when we complete a road and trail project uh, at those sites to have uh, a presence to engage with visitors to get a sense of how people are sharing the trail and the success or of the program and whether anything additional needs to be addressed thank you i will now close item six and we'll move on to item seven 2022 Vegetation Management Proposed Work Program. This was on our agenda at our last meeting. Commissioner Harris had some questions, and I believe uh, Commissioner Harris had the chance to uh, speak. Yeah, oh, and you also. Excellent, good. All right, um, Chris, do you want to start us off? I can, Chris is pulling up the presentation. I can kick this off, and I'll, I'll ask first for Al to promote uh, Sarah Minnick. Uh, to a presenter so that she can present this. Um, and I really want to um, ap appreciate commissioners uh, Harris and O'Brien who met with us uh, and, and hope that this is able to provide a little bit more information about our proposed program of work for the coming year. Um, I just want to remind your commission that, um, you know, this, you take an action to uh, propose 
uh, to recommend that uh, this program of work be included in our budget that we bring to the Board of Supervisors or the Open Space District Board of Directors. Um, it's not an approval of the project, the potential projects, so that's part of a CEQA process. That's not what this is. This is uh, um, a recommendation of this program of work of potential projects that will be considered through uh, individually through the CEQA process um, that's separate from this, this action. Uh, so uh, with that, um, hopefully Sarah is now um, able to present. Sarah, are you there? And if we can also bring up the presentation, great. Okay. There she is. All right. Um, thank you, commissioners. Thanks, Max. Um, I am Sarah Minnick. I am the vegetation and fire ecologist from Marin County Parks. And I'm here to um, do a, a one final quick review of our vegetation management program. Um, I'd like to start by walking through how to access information about the program, um, which includes our fuels management, our weeds management, um, and we do those through this lens of protecting and promoting the biodiversity um, that we are uh, lucky enough to be responsible for in our preserves, um, and also protecting um, and reducing any risks to the adjacent communities or the preserve users. So um, starting off with our, hopefully I can, there we go. Um, on our website, um, Marin County Parks website, parks.marincounty.org, um, under the projects and plans header, you can find our open space vegetation management um, page. And so when you click on that, it takes you to this page. And as you scroll down, um, this is a new feature that we've just um, put, put on this page. And it's a map that shows all of our vegetation management locations. And um, I just want to point out that there is a link um, just above the map that link will take you to another page, um, which is in the Open Marin Data Portal. And that page in the Open Marin Data Portal basically contains everything that we used to publish in a printed um, vegetation management report. Um, so if you're looking for information about what types of tools we use and descriptions for what those are, um, the, that all that information is still available and now it's available um, on this open data portal website, along with this map. So, um, so if you click that link, you will see another version of the same map there. So it's the map is in many places. Um, and I and I hope I invite everyone to go find it and explore it. Um, because it is a, a really interactive map. So um, you can zoom in and zoom out uh, to whatever area you're interested in, and you'll see all these orange dots. Um, each one represents a, an area where we do some sort of vegetation management. And if you put your mouse over the dot, you'll see details about that area. Um, you'll see what, what kind of size that dot represents. So in this example, there's a one dot that uh, um, 
represents a 4.3 acre area. And you can see that we're doing, or we did thinning and chipping work there and that work was completed in 2020. So the other thing you can do is use the filters on the right side of the map to filter and see only the work that's planned for 2022. Or you could add multiple years to that filter to see work that was done over the last three years. So those are some ways that you can use the filters. There are many other filters, so you can um, sort things by different kind of objectives that you're interested in, like if you want to see invasive species projects or emergency access road projects, um, those filters are available to help you um, kind of zoom into the information that you really want to know about. The other um, thing on this new map is a link to view the source data. So there's a data set that's public um, and that we will be updating um, into the future. And if you click that link, it will take you to yet another version of the same map. But this new version has, um, below it has this uh, list of all those um, you can see in the bottom right here, there's, there are like 650 rows of information. So it's a lot of information and we're only seeing the first 13 rows of that. Um, but you can use those same filters to dial down to just the information that you're interested in. Uh, you can also use the previous and next buttons to move through all of the pages of information. Um, you can adjust, this is critical, you can adjust the column widths to actually see all the information in this table. So um, you do need to do that in order to, to fully get the full um, effect of the information. And then when you do that, it's going to push information off to the right side. So you also need to use the scroll bar um, to go see all of the information that's, that's farther over on the right side. And then there's also these little um, ellipses, dots that you can sort the information. And finally, on, on that map, um, probably the, the most unique thing about this version of the map is that it has an export button. And you can export all of those rows of information. Um, and if you are an Excel wizard or you just want to sort it your own way, um, that is the way to get all of the information and just download it and, and explore it on your own. And so um, if you were to download it and look at it in, in a spreadsheet program like Microsoft Excel, um, you would see that each project uh, may have a stack of information. It's like a history stack. And so um, in this case, it shows multiple lines of information, one for each year going back to 2018. And so you can see um, which year we did the work and what type of work we did. Um, so some, some projects will do something different each year, and, and that would be reflected. The other thing um, that I wanted to point out about that, that list of information of all of our projects is that um, it has many, many rows of maintenance. Uh, the project name starts with maintenance, and this is the work that, if you look over on the far right, um, the crew is typically our ranger crew or they are coordinating um, a Conservation Corps North Bay crew to do maintenance work, which is typically mowing or pruning um, 
usually in defensible space areas or preserve entrances to prevent um, accidental ignitions, um, those types of, of fuels management type activities, and they're done on an annual basis. And um, typically the same type of work is done each year. So there's um, an expectation that that uh, all of these maintenance projects are kind of going to happen each year. So you'll see those in the data. Um, a summary, just in summary, this, this data set is large. So I wanted to provide um, a quick snapshot of what's in there. And so those, mo those mowing and pruning maintenance projects um, comprise you know, 260 different locations. So it's a lot of information, but there are many, many small areas and it does add up, it's substantial, it adds up to a, a few hundred acres of work that we do um, just with our maintenance um, regime every year. So um, those are really important small projects that happen all over the place. Um, and then we have our woody fuels management and weed management projects. There's There are a couple dozen of each of those types. Um, the woody fuels management projects tend to be a little bit larger. Um, and um, the, you can see that that kind of amounts to almost 400 acres of work. And then our weed management is closer to 100 acres. And then finally, our grazing projects are also in that um, list of information. Um, and that is really the, the largest number of acres because of the size of the projects. The um, grazing can happen at, at a bigger scale than we're able to do with um, person crews. Uh, but there are only a few projects and locations where, where that's appropriate and where we do that type of work. So um, just to, to kind of um, dive into that one a little bit more, I think it's about 1,300 acres of uh, the grazing is our um, long-term cattle grazing at Mount Burdell. So a, a large portion of our grazing of those 1,800 acres is cattle at Mount Burdell. And then the adjacent... Um, Bowman Canyon addition added another few hundred acres to that. So that's primarily what's involved in the grazing. But we do have um, our, our goat management program, which is um, quite popular uh, with the neighbors in Terra Linda. And so that's another hundred acres or so. Um, and in addition to the public data set um, and all of the information included there, we also have maps that show our regional fuels management. Um, so these maps um, are a little better at showing the area, the size of the area, so you can see where those occur on the land. And so you can see those large grazing areas at Mount Burdell that I was just talking about, um, shown in dark green here, um, as well as all of that existing maintenance work that we do on um, about an annual basis in most of these areas, shown in yellow. Um, and then in red, we have areas that we are considering and prioritizing for future um, fuels management in the defensible space areas adjacent to houses. Moving a little further south, um, Southern Nevada and Marinwood area, um, same, same kind of map that shows our maintenance areas in yellow and potential future projects in red. And then as we move into the San Rafael and even all the way over to, um, to the San Geronimo Valley area, 
Um, those same red and yellow areas are shown for our existing work and our potential future projects. But um, I also want to call your attention to the white um, squiggly line that kind of surrounds the entire Fairfax community, um, Sleepy Hollow and Fairfax area. And that is the Greater Ross Valley Shaded Fuel Break Project um, that is a project that the local fire agencies and the Marin Wildfire Prevention Authority are um, moving forward right now. And so they're um, working with us and working with the community to um, share as much information about that project as they can and, and start doing some of the work in these areas. And where this, you can see the, the white fuel break um, sometimes is next to our, our green preserves and sometimes it's not. So wherever it does, fall adjacent to a preserve, um, those areas will actually be red on this map because those are potential future project areas for us on our lands um, within that fuel break zone. And that fuel break does um, keep going south uh, down um, along the interface with Corte Madera as well. So same, same situation, um, all of those areas where the fuel break would cross the edge of our preserve are shown in red. Um, unless they're already yellow because we do those as man, uh, annual maintenance work. Or um, the other new thing shown here on this map um, are some shaded fuel break projects that we've been doing over the last decade or so. Um, and so sometimes those shaded fuel breaks already are maintaining uh, areas that will um, be part of the, the continuous fuel break project. All right. Um, so yeah, with that, um, I, I hope the maps and the summary of the project types have been a helpful review of our vegetation management program uh, and that walking through some options and examples in the open data portal shows how to access our current list of projects online um, and how to explore additional, additional details about them. Um, I know this is a new interface and it's a new way of presenting our vegetation management program. So we're happy to answer any remaining questions about our work or just about how to access that public data set online. Thank you, Sarah. I'd like to come back to the commission and maybe start with Commissioner Harris and Commissioner O'Brien who met with staff. Sarah, that's a uh, uh, fantastic. The um, that that data portal is just um, very rich, and and um, be looking forward to sort of taking a deep dive into that. Um, I just had a, one very small question um, from your presentation for the uh, Gary Giacometti Preserve. There is a defensible space area that goes through the middle rather than the periphery, um, and may, maybe you could. Tell me, tell us about what, the, what that that particular. Um, yeah, yeah, of is. course, yeah. Um, that is actually not a defensible space area. That is a um, vegetation management project, and it's a combined um, biodiversity weed management project and fuels management project uh, that is along the edges of the fire road. So that's why it is along the ridge line um, in the middle of the preserve. And so the work there um, is a partnership with Marin Water District, which is on one side of the road. And then our open space lands are on the other side of the road. 
And so we both have a role in maintaining the vegetation there. And so um, this project is an opportunity for us to partner with each other and also with the Parks Conservancy to do um, some, for, like, I guess it's, uh, it's weed management work and it's, it's removing some um, smaller tree individuals that are starting to invade grasslands and shrublands that are um, incredibly diverse and harbor a number of rare species. So it's important for us to protect the grasslands and shrublands. Um, and that's also a benefit as far as fuels management goes along the fire road. So the fire departments are also a, a kind of a partner in this project and working with us to make sure um, that we're, we're removing the trees that uh, are threatening our, our, um, our really important habitats, but they are also um, going to have a benefit if there's a wildfire in the area. So. And just to make sure that we're talking about the same spot, because it's hard in this remote situation to do that. I'm talking about the part in the west end of the preserve in, in Woodacre, where it looks like it's both sides of the road are parks land rather than um, parks land in another agency. Um, the, the map may not be um, as detailed <laughs> as your... Um, Describing, it's. I think the project is is shown as a single line, but um, in reality, on the ground, it's it's encompassing. Our work would be only on our side of the road, and then the other side of the road is Marin Water District. But we're, like I said, we're doing this project in partnership, so the project will will roll out with very similar type of treatment on both sides, whether it's Marin Waterland or or our open space district land. Okay, thank you. Yes, Sari, that I, I thought the presentation was excellent. The um, and certainly uh, the data portal is a pretty fascinating project. Uh, just a few years ago, no one could imagine that kind of detail or public access to such information. Um, so I think it's a credit to you and uh, and all the staff, uh, county staff. Uh, to accomplish such a thing. And uh, I think also the partnerships you mentioned are uh, very important. Uh, the detail and the work that you and staff have done to uh, coordinate uh, with uh, other agencies, the water districts, the water district, the fire districts, uh, uh, fire departments are, is, uh, is commendable and certainly they all have different perspectives of land management and uh, you know, educating them in terms of uh, open the open space uh, priorities and values and integrating them with what they want to do too is a, is a task uh, and, and uh, your efforts are well recognized. Um, I think the whole project carefully uh, integrates biodiversity, wildland wild land management, and uh, uh, and uh, and the the issues of uh, vegetation and fuel management. So um, uh, it's quite a project, and um, I think that's uh, something might be submitted to as an award to uh, various uh, organizations. Certainly a model. Thank you. 
Other commissioners, comments, questions? Seeing none, this is an action item, but I'm going to open it up for public uh, input before we come back for a vote. Is there anyone in the public that would like to comment on this item? Chair Scarming, yes, we do have Terry Thomas. Terry, please unmute, okay. and you have the option to share video. Hello. Thank you. Um, yes, I'm Terry Thomas, and I want to thank Sarah for this informative presentation. I attend the Environmental Roundtable, and the county staff keeps the environmental community up to date on all of these projects, and we are very appreciative of it. Um, they give great presentations and a lot of good feedback. Max mentioned that CEQA is a separate process, and this is actually where my comments focus, and I have three comments. First, it would be useful to see specific CEQA documentations for in individual projects. The county overall plan has not been CEQA approved and it is difficult for us to get the project CEQA documentation. It is quite helpful for those of us who try to keep track of the large amounts of vegetation being um, occurring at this point in time. As an example, the MWPA has agreed to have their CEQA documents online and they are easy for the public to access and find by project. Second, I applaud the pre-activity surveys that occur prior to each of the individual projects. It would be helpful to have the pre-activity surveys included in a CEQA document as to what surveys are done and when they occur. I note again that MWPA has added this information to their CEQA documentation, including categorical exclusions, and it's very helpful. Finally, it's my understanding that the county does its own CEQA and that it would be, and it would be important for all of the environmental community to know if you are relying on the MWPA documents at all. Thank you very much. Thank you, Terry. Chair Scarman, there are no additional speakers in the queue. Okay. With that, I'll bring it back to the commission. Does anyone want to make a motion? I second it. Any more discussion? All in favor? Aye. Aye. Thank you. Okay. We will close this item and move on to item number eight, Parks Fiscal Year 22-23 Proposed Budget. This is an informational-only item. Thanks, commissioners. And, yeah, I'll pull up the presentation. I'll go through this relatively quickly, but then if the you all have questions, I'm happy to answer them. So um, maybe, uh, perfect, here we go. So uh, this, this budget is a little different than past years, although our format here is about the same. Uh, you know, essentially what we're showing here is the only forward from the existing measure. So um, what we did is we asked our, our team and a huge appreciation to start with from Chris Chamberlain, our assistant director, who really works to manage this process uh, with our management team and uh, to Yvonne Zepko, who's our uh, finance and admin team, who uh, works really diligently with her team on this, and then to all of our uh, program managers and staff who put together all the projects. The, uh, and, and the communications team puts this presentation together. Uh, so this, this just shows, so for Measure A, we don't know if Measure A is gonna be a 
Uh, right now, we are just programming. We did ask our team to put together projects and programs, uh, you know, in case Measure A is extended so that we're ready with a way to adapt this budget uh, if, if we have that additional funding. Um, and of course, we're up, you know, cautiously optimistic that that would be the case. Uh, and so what we are planning to do, we, we are going to bring this, you know, after bringing this to your commission, we're going to bring it to the Board of Supervisors on June 7th and June 21st. Um, but then we would come back to your commission and to the outcome of the election. So this shows our, th our three different um, sources of, of revenue here, the open space district funding, uh, Measure A funding, which is both for parks and open space, and then our general fund uh, funding. And you can see there last year's that um, the 2.4 uh, uh, million there, and then the 2.6. That's just breaking out from general fund versus what's coming in from fees. Um, and so this is looking at um, just breaking down these three main funding sources by salaries and benefits versus uh, services and supplies program uh, budget. Um, and we don't have dollars there, but the but you can get a sense that, you know, typically where we're able to do projects is with Measure A. Since it's so constrained right now, there's a lot less available for projects. If it's extended, course we'll have quite a bit more available for projects um, uh, and then this is looking at our employees um, out of these you know pretty much all of our seasonal employees are funded by measure a and about 27 of our regular hire employees are funded by measure a so you know um, if 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 measure a is not extended obviously there would be a significant impact to our employees uh, our, um, this is looking at project-related costs. Again, we'd likely have additional project funding if that increases our, our non-salary um, uh, funds available for expenditures. Uh, and as has been typical in past years, park facilities is the highest area of project funding. Uh, right now, vegetation management and fuels reduction is $1.1 million, but of course, if measure is extended, one of the key areas uh, that's called out for funding projects is uh, fuels reduction. So that would that would likely increase. Of course, all of these would probably increase a bit. Uh, so you know, what are our fund our priorities? Um, you know, these are really being responsible that we've done this last year and in years past. You know. Over the past couple of times we've done that, wildfire safety has been the top area priority for the community. And um, so one thing we're doing is working in close partnership with our, our with OneTAM, our other land manager partners, but also with the Marin Wildfire Prevention Authority. Um, you know, they've actually been extremely helpful uh, in coordinating work across the different fire agencies uh, for us. And, uh, and, and we're working on a, uh, a project pipeline so that there's, uh, we have an ability to get all of the proposals of, for potential projects um, from the local fire jurisdictions through the MWPA 
prior to the January meeting where we first bring to your commission our potential vegetation management work program. Uh, so we're really excited about that, and we're, this, this partnership continues to, to deepen with the MWPA. Uh, you know, we're really focused on defensible space, as you saw in that last presentation. One of the really cool opportunities around wildfire safety is workforce development. Of course, Conservation Corps North Bay has been a longtime partner, but there's a new fire foundry program that has, you know, really neat opportunities to connect people uh, with, with work pathways. Um, the One Tam Forest Health Collaboration is a really neat partnership with the other land managers with Marin Water and um, the uh, Parks Conservancy really taking a lead, but using some really interesting science and mapping tools to help us strategize how to keep our forests sustainable through climate change and healthy. Uh, and then, um, you know, transparency is really important too, and we're continuing to deepen the ability for the community to engage in this work through our open data portal. Uh, focusing on, on climate change, you know, part of that, of course, is that veg management work, but uh, sea level rise planning is an important priority, and of course we have several key projects that you all have heard about in past presentations. I mentioned the, the vegetation mapping and, and part of our One TAM partnership. We're also really focused in our parks on water conservation, uh, and, uh, and through One TAM, you know, focusing on science to understand the health of the ecosystems as they adapt to change. Um, and then, of course, our collaboration with our local environmental leaders through the Environmental Roundtable. Uh, recreation, equity, community engagement, you heard this morning, or this morning, earlier this afternoon, uh, maybe it felt like that, uh, from uh, Kevin about the Youth Commission report. And I think reducing barriers to visitation and healthy park activities is, is something that's really important. Doing that through facility improvements, um, through our uh, improving our trails and our, our, our fire road system, through programs. You heard about how important it is to introduce people uh, to parks and then through our community partners. Uh, and of course, like I mentioned, we will come back depending on the outcome of the election. And that's the end of my presentation. Thank you. Any questions, comments for Max? Thank you, um, and really appreciate that you've walked the commission through each step in this process. This hasn't been the first presentation on this. It's been each step we've, we've been brought along. Uh, just a procedural question. Um, some items are, are information items, and some are advisory. And my understanding is that the commission, in fact, Everything we do is advisory because it's the two supervisors who actually um, are the board of directors. Um, why is this a informational item um, rather than asking for the approval of the commission as an advisory move? Yes, yeah, so you have information items and action items. Mm -hmm. This the bu this budget presentation is something that we've done every year, and it's it's called out. I think it's called out in Measure A as, as part of our process that we do with your your commission, and it's part of the transparency piece of of you know when we present to the board, um, we really don't have the time to to give the level of detail that we can with your commission. So it gives your commission and the public an opportunity to learn more and for us to get feedback from your commission 
and from the community. So, um, you know, this is this has been an informational item that sort of focused on that transparency and 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 engagement. But um, yeah, we, we can always have a conversation, revisit it. That, that's just so. How if it's I'm been understanding approached. what you're saying is that the difference between informational and and action in this case is not a big di difference, and this could be an action item. Um, it, but traditionally, we've treated it as an informational item. Typically, an action item is is, is something where um, you know your uh, your commission is is reviewing something in greater detail and then making a recommendation to the board of supervisors. That hasn't typically been the case with our budget um, as a whole. But uh, you know, an example of it. I mean, the vegetation management work plan is an example where. Uh, you know, there was expressed interest from the community and from our board wanting a deeper engagement in that material than they than the board could have uh, at, in its chambers at, at its meetings. Mm -hmm. So there was a request that we have a, a process of bringing the different version of this program um, of work uh, through various steps with your commission uh, and a recommendation back to the board. Another example is when we're changing our code uh, we, we typically bring uh, proposals to your commission for recommendation to uh, the Board of Supervisors or the board, Open Space Board of Directors, depending on, on which body you're, you're advisory to at that time. And then one other question, if I, if I might ask. Um, th this budget, of course, is conservative budget, conservative in the sense that we don't know if Measure A will pass. But if Measure A does pass, you said that you will take further steps. If maybe you could just very quickly give us a little picture on what, what that would be. Sure. Well, there there are a lot of steps to take if Measure A does pass. Also, a lot of steps if it doesn't pass. Um, but the there are a number of sort of procedural steps. We have there's a number of grant programs that are funded by Measure A that we have to take through a process with the Board of Supervisors. Um, and, uh, and then we, we don't actually start collecting revenue from Measure A until like the end of October. So, um, you know, we would go back and revisit. Like I mentioned, our, 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 our managers and our team already put together proposals for if we were fully funded, what the, that list of potential projects would be. And so we would probably come back to your commission and to the board with a revised budget um, update. Thank you. Oscar? Yeah, I have a question in regards to that. How many employees are affected if the measure is not extended? Is there a possibility to take the, the regular budget, absorb them, or help them? Great question. So there are, I think, about 27 regular hire employees and I think over 45 seasonal hire employees that are funded by Measure A. And, you know, w w one of the we work closely with the county administrator who uh, and the county administrator's office who supports us in developing our budget each year. And, and one of the recommendations from the county administrator was for you know us not to not to go too deep down, just like um, planning out what happens if Measure A is unsuccessful at this time. So um, you know uh, we have put the planning in place with our team for the projects and programs that would be continued or or, um, or would begin if Measure A is extended. 
but we haven't we don't have deep planning around what changes might made if it be made if it's not extended but we do know that uh, those employees are funded by it, and a lot of the work that we describe today, our vegetation management work, our road and trail work, our sea level rise work, our restoration work, all of that is made possible by Measure A. And so, you know, it would likely be impacted. And and no, there is not, there aren't a lot, of, you know, you looked at that, that previous slide about how much of our budget's available for projects versus uh, salaries and and ongoing costs. It's a it's a small portion of our budget that, that's available for projects and, and unlikely that we would want all of that to go to supporting, we'd, we'd want the capacity to fund potential projects. Thank you. Yes, yeah, certainly. Um, uh, I'm very supportive of Measure A and I think most of the public is and I think the presentation you made really outlines the different uh, financial pots that we rely on to uh, have the department and the open space district move forward. Um, the critical projects that were outlined in, in the various presentations today just underscore, I think, the importance of Measure A. Uh, and uh, and it, they're, you know, the necessary funding to keep staff employed, too, is. Uh, something that we all need to be concerned about. Um, I, I, uh, I found the arguments uh, against Measure A were, you know, single-minded and uh, had, um, you know, they had their own perspective, but they, they never really looked at the total uh, value of Measure A and they never balanced their arguments against the total value uh, kind of dismissing the whole uh, department in the district. Uh, so I, I, I didn't find that to be very enlightening uh, on their part. Regardless, uh, uh, I think um, the funding of Measure A is, is critical. Uh, I do uh, think that uh, the, this, this election is, uh, although it's kind of an off, <laughs> off election, there's no congressional election or the gubernatorial election um, in this June election uh, or even a presidential election to draw a lot of people out. I do think Measure A will draw uh, a fair amount of people out because the, as the survey showed, the, uh, the value that the uh, residents and voters uh, hold in terms of the value of the open space district and the park and rec project projects and the department projects are is very high so uh, <clears throat> that song said you don't you don't know what you've got to you lose it <laughs> and we we certainly don't want to lose it and we don't but I, I do understand that we'll take a look at a budget revision regardless of the outcome in October which, which is good thank you Pat just stop him before he breaks into that song <laughs> I did bring the guitar. But <laughs> Any other commissioners, <laughs> comments? Okay, I want to briefly open it up for public opinion. Is there anyone online? Chair Scrimmon, there are no speakers in the queue. Hearing none, I will go ahead and close this item, and we will come up with our final item, which is commissioner reports. Any commissioners have anything? 
They want to talk report? Okay, you already heard that uh, Commissioner O'Brien and I spent some time with the Wynn Youth Commission, mm -hmm. which was a lot of fun. And um, I think we're all just sort of waiting to see what happens on this, this vote. And we're re reminding everyone, vote. Can't really be political, but please, please vote. Uh, we have our next meeting for July 21st. And with that, I would entertain a motion to adjourn. All in favor, aye. Aye. Thank you, Max. Thank you. Thank you, Chris. Thank you. And thank you, you guys over there. Yeah. For handling all really. that.